0: You're listening to the Friday Fix. Every Friday, I share a quick mental strength exercise that will help fix the thoughts, emotions, and actions that drain you of the mental strength you need to be your best. Today, I'm talking about quitting, and whether quitting something means you're weak. When Simone Biles chose to drop out of the Olympics for mental health reasons, I saw a lot of strong opinions on social media about it. Some people said she was a hero for prioritizing her health. While well, other people express concern that our athletes have gotten so soft that they can't withstand the pressure of competition. My inbox was actually flooded with people asking questions like, does quitting mean you're weak? And shouldn't you be strong enough to keep going when things feel hard? Well, as the author of four books on mental strength, including one called 13 Things Mentally Strong People Don't Do, I have to say I'm actually a big fan of quitting. I think people should quit more often than they do. Granted, I'm a quitter myself. I have a history of quitting some pretty big things pretty fast. I quit preschool, the saxophone, and med school, all within the first day of trying them. I hated the first day of preschool. My friend Allison, who is still one of my best friends of all time, loved it. So I decided if she loved it and I hated it, school wasn't the problem. I was. And somehow at the age of four, I convinced my parents not to make me go back to preschool ever again because preschool just wasn't for me. Then when I was in the sixth grade, I thought it'd be really cool to play the saxophone. I think I'd seen Lisa Simpson play her saxophone on the show, and I thought that it looked like a lot of fun. When I showed up to my first lesson, though, all the other kids in the class knew so much about music, and they could already play the saxophone pretty well. I had never actually even seen a saxophone in real life. So that one-hour lesson felt like it took about four years. So right then and there, I realized that I wanted to be a good saxophone player, but I had no desire to put in the work to become a good player. So I quit after just one day, which was still in the time frame of when my parents could return the instrument and not be charged. Clearly, playing the saxophone wasn't for me either. But the one thing I did know was that I wanted to become a doctor. By the seventh grade, I decided that I was going to go to med school. But on my first day of pre-med school, we had to dissect cats. Everyone else in the room was really excited about it, I was disgusted by it and I realized I'd done it again. I love the idea of being a doctor, but I didn't actually want to do the stuff it was going to take to become a doctor. So on my first day of pre-med school, I quit. I changed my major to social work because I knew that being a doctor wasn't for me either. So yeah, I've quit several things after just one day and I'm not saying that that's a good idea. Fortunately, there are plenty of other things I didn't quit even though there were times when I was tempted to. Take public speaking, for example. I hated speaking in front of people when I was a kid, but I grew up to become a professional speaker. I'm happy I stuck with it, even though it was really uncomfortable at times. It was worth it, though, because my TEDx talk, The Secret of Becoming Mentally Strong, is one of the most viewed talks of all time. The same with writing a book, especially my first book. I had no idea what I was doing, and there were plenty of days when I doubted if I could even finish the book. And I definitely doubted whether anyone was going to read this book. But in those cases, I kept going anyway. I'm glad I did because my first book became an international bestseller. There are plenty of things that you aren't going to like doing at first. No one's good at a sport the first time they try it, and no one's going to be skilled at something when they first learn it. But I also know that life is short. Too short to keep doing something you hate when you aren't looking forward to the payoff. It's really hard to quit though. It's been drilled into our brains that quitting lasts forever and you should never give up. That's why it sometimes takes more mental strength to quit something than it does to keep going. It's something I've seen in my therapy office often. People will stick with things far longer than they should and it comes to them at a great cost. One of my former therapy clients refused to quit even though his business was sinking. He'd started a restaurant, even though he had really no knowledge of what it took to open or run a restaurant. His brothers, his parents, and his friends warned him that his restaurant probably wasn't going to succeed. A year later, though, he was working 90 hours a week. He was taking out loans to pay his wage staff, and there was really no relief in sight. He came into my therapy office because he thought he needed help with stress management. But that wasn't a problem. He should have been stressed. He was working around the clock and going really far into debt. When I asked him if he'd ever thought about closing the business, he said, I can't. Everyone is predicting I'm going to fail. I have to prove them wrong. But he wasn't proving them wrong. He was actually proving them right. Several months later, he ran out of options. He'd maxed out every loan he could take. He still couldn't make payroll and he was forced to shut his doors. So in his next appointment, he asked me, why didn't I just quit a few months ago? It really wasn't a rhetorical question. He wanted to know what made him keep investing into a failing business. Well, it was his ego. He would rather be a failure than a quitter. He said, I think I felt like I had to go down swinging. Of course, in hindsight, though, he wished he would have quit. Could have saved him a lot of time and money. And it would have given his employees a little more notice about closing their doors. Now he felt guilty about the way it was ending. And he didn't have control over most of the things that were about to happen. Quitting sooner wouldn't have meant he was weak, it would have meant he was wise. But that's a tough decision to make. It's tough for parents to make it too. I've had lots of parents come into my therapy office asking if it's okay to let their kids quit a sport that they hate, or if it's okay to let them quit an activity that they just aren't all that interested in. I always encourage parents to think carefully about the pros and cons of letting their kids quit versus forcing them to keep going. Because I see what happens when parents refuse to let their kids quit things their kids never try anything new. They're smart enough to know that if they're going to have to stick to playing the piano for a year or maybe even the rest of their lives, they're not going to start because what if they hate it? So sometimes it's best to make a rule about how long your child needs to stick with something before they make the decision. While some families might say two weeks is long enough, other families might say you should stick with a sport for a whole season. Ultimately, you know your child best and it's important that you're challenging them to learn new skills, but that you're also giving them some say in what they want to do and where they want to invest their time and energy. So that's the story with kids. But of course, it's tough as adults to figure out when we should quit and when we should keep going. So if you're struggling with that, ask yourself these questions. What's it going to cost you to quit? And what's it going to cost you to keep going? And then ask, what can I gain from quitting? And what can I gain if I keep going? When the reward isn't worth the effort, it's usually a good idea to give up. Or if it's going to cost you something, like your inner peace, your relationships, or your health, by all means, quit. And sometimes you're the only one who's going to know if it's really worth it to quit. There's a big difference, though, between challenging yourself and punishing yourself. Just because you said you were going to do something, whether you said, I'm going to run a marathon or I'm going to write a book, You don't have to do it. You're entitled to change your mind and you don't owe anyone an explanation. And sometimes you don't even know how much a goal is going to require of you until you get going. Two years ago, I set out to do this 30-day challenge to get six-pack abs. It worked, but it was a really rough 30 days. I had to make working out and eating a really strict diet a top priority. I didn't quit though because I decided it was worth it. I really wanted to know if it was even possible to do it. So in the short term, I was willing to make some sacrifices and keep going, even though it cost me things like time with my family, time with my friends, and really time to do anything fun at all. If I'd done it much longer, my mental health would have declined. And while I like having six-pack abs, I only wanted to do it if it was fun or if it was really time sensitive. It wouldn't have been worth a huge sacrifice for a long time. So just to be clear... To this day, I'm happy to quit anything that looks like it might cost me my inner peace. So I encourage you to look at the goals in your life. Are there things that you should just give yourself permission to quit? Do you need to set aside your ego and stop buying into the idea that champions never quit? Because in reality, you can gain something by quitting. When you quit one goal, you make room to create another goal in your life. So if something you set out to do isn't serving you well, find the mental strength to walk away and start working on something that's a better fit for you. Thank you for listening to the Very Well Mind podcast. If you found this episode informative, please share the episode with your friends and family and leave a rating and review wherever you listen to podcasts. To learn more about the Very Well Mind podcast, you can head to verywellmind.com slash podcast.